And they get shit going. And some of the most talented artists that I've come across have zero hustle. Zero hustle, huh? <laughs> it's kind of fitting considering I'm still trying to self-motivate myself here to keep this thing going. I got to get to hustling before an opportunity passes me by. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Landon, also known as the MC Tombstone the Dead Man. Landon wears many, and I mean many hats. The cap he wore this go-round was educator and motivator. See, we had this conversation a little more than a month ago, and I remember how I felt. Like, yeah, yeah, this this is that one, that one that jumps my engine. And listening to it again, I still kind of feel that way, and I get like this thermally insulated charge going on. Um, that being said, you can check for Landon on his YouTube channel under the handle Rational Warrior and his website ReaperLegion.com. And again, that's ReaperLegion.com. With this episode, you should go ahead and do yourself a favor. Take notes. I'm here to, to, to listen and learn, brother. So, uh, <laughs> well, if, if, if you would, uh, is, is it Tombstone the Dead Man? Like, is, yes, is sir. That? All right. So, uh, how, how did how did it happen for you? And uh, and then I guess just just start me from the bottom. Okay. Um, well, you know, I'm not a, I'm not one of these younger MCs. Um, I've been doing this for 30 plus years. And um, when I was local, uh, you know, mostly local, and this is before the internet era, which is a very important um, um, factor in all this. Um, I never had an audience for real. I think a couple of times, you know, I had a couple of bright spots where, you know, I may have did a performance somewhere and people saw it and it was, it was pretty dope and, and they liked it. And um, I was completely unprepared to take advantage of any buzz because, to be quite honest, outside of the music part of it, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, and I think that's probably true of most uh, independent artists. You know, they, they don't pretty much know the business part of it or especially if you're from Baltimore because it almost feels like sometimes uh, the city is 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 blackballed by the industry like cuz there are plenty of talented people there so but a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh people don't know exactly how to put themselves out there and I was trying to do it the same way most people were you know um trying to put together a demo and everything like that but it just never really happened for me but at that point I really didn't give a fuck because I looked at it like I, I love doing this music, you know what I'm saying. I like doing this, so it, it was. It, I was doing it a lot for me, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Especially when when music started to change, hip hop music started to change, and started to turn into something that I did not recognize as uh, hip hop. Like, it just it doesn't sound like it doesn't give me that feel. So a lot of times I was doing stuff just for me. The type of music that you do, if you categorize that or if you gave it a title as far as under the hip hop umbrella, mm -hmm. what, what would you or what is it called? 
I would refer to it as boom bap. And I would even go so far as I consider what I do true school. It's old school, but it's true school. It's it's a um, reliance upon lyrics, content, actually saying something. You know, um, I rarely follow any trends, especially the new trends that come on. That's just not me. Um, I talk about politics, religion, personal life, all kinds of things like that. And my overall theme is it's it's a bit dark, you know. Um, I've done six six official albums, but there's been like there's two that I've done that are exclusives to my Bandcamp subscribers. They're the only ones that, that, that got those. But most of those albums they had a, a theme that was leading somewhere. Um, and the last one was the Six Extinction album, where I kind of put a a a end to that line of albums that line of of content because i'm moving on to um kind of other subject matter you know and i I wanted to like really end that off with a a a concept album that signified the end you know so it's one of those type of things where um I don't consider what I do to be uh, anything like modern modern hip hop, what they're calling hip hop now. I don't mumble when I rap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I don't use trap beats. I use boom bap. If you look back at you as a as a as a, as a young, mm-hmm. wet under the nose rapper, <laughs> would you no. would you see you today from you yesterday? Only, only in, in bits and pieces. Um, when I first started rapping, I, I started rapping on a dare. I had a couple of homeboys that, that was rapping. And they would, you know, go under the, the lamppost on the corner and spit their bars and somebody would beat boxes back in those days. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, basically, they, they pretty much dared me to do it by, by saying that I couldn't do it. And I got the type of personality... If, it's, if somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm just bound and determined to prove them wrong. So I wrote a couple of bars. I don't even remember how many it was. I went out there the next time they was out there doing that, and I spit them bars, and they liked it. So I started doing it more. You know? And I think a portion of the, the type of artist that I am now probably happened in my, uh, I want to say, late teens Something or something around there, late teens, uh, early twenties, when I started talking about like subjects, and that's why that that's my strong point. Uh, I'm not so much of a braggadocious rapper, you know, that talks about the things that I have or what I can do. And no, I'm I'm more of a, a subject oriented MC. And yeah, you can see if you if if I still had some of those songs from back then, you could definitely see um, that. That was the lane that I excelled in. So I I started messing around with YouTube around 2007. And I was just doing little rants, you know, talking about little things. And and it was really early. YouTube hadn't established itself as a a huge medium at, at that point. And um, I created two channels, and the, and the second channel I wanted to talk about 
my feelings on religion and and my lack of one. So I I I did a channel that I was just basically ranting about that, ranting about that. And I, back back then on YouTube, it was pretty common practice for content creators to tag other YouTubers to to get them to do a video, certain types of videos. So I got tagged in a video to show what kind of talent I had. So I said, well, fuck it. I'm going to put a rap up here. So I put a rap up there, and the the rap was basically about my feelings on religion since that was the theme of that channel. And it went kind of mini viral. It went, it, it just started making its rounds. And one thing led to another, so I, I did some more, and more people liked it. And before you know it, my channel went from probably about 100 subscribers to like 1,000 <laughs> subscribers. And... A couple of more influential YouTubers that had large audiences that also uh, felt the way I felt about religion, and they had huge audiences. They they wanted to use my music in some of their video content, and once they did that, I started getting even more and more and more. And before you know it, in this small little niche community, my name was kind of ringing bells, and um, it was so funny because. This is not how I, you know, thought that my career would jump off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, definitely not what I thought. But one, like I said, one thing led to another, and I was invited to perform at 2012 at, at this event in D.C. called the Reason Rally. Over 30,000 people showed up. And I went out there, and I... I performed like three songs and by that by then i had already had a nice little audience and some of them were in the crowd and it was just a great experience man and and those that were in the audience that hadn't heard of me before they got a chance to hear me then and then became fans and before you know it my uh audience just expanded just completely expanded and the one thing i i figured out is that you know the internet is is a powerful tool it's a powerful tool because Back in the day, it was all about winning over your hometown. That's that's how it was back in the 90s and late 80s. Even some part of the early 2000s, it was about winning over your hometown. But with the, the introduction of the internet, it's no longer about that. Nobody cares because you can get in the in the contact with people all over the world. And I sell my CDs and downloads all over the place. Australia, <laughs> uh, Japan, Germany, Sweden, Norway. And other places in the United States, every place except for my hometown. <laughs> so you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I I knew that um, it, it, this is not necessarily because I'm just this super fantastic artist. I think I'm pretty good. You know, I like I like what I do. But I recognize there are people out there that are just way better than me. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's about the fact that we now have a tool that will allow you to find your audience. You can go and find it. And it may not be in your hometown. And that's all right. <laughs> you said that. That's all right. I want you to kind of like, if if you don't mind, like if you kind oh, no, no, of no give the gift to the listeners, like Absolutely. this is a blueprint for how you can you can support yourself as a as an independent artist absolutely i started um monetizing i, I wrote a song called um 
Beyond Reason. And that song Beyond Reason was used on a uh, a video that got a hundred, over 100,000 views. And I started getting all these people coming to the channel. So I was still trying to figure out how I would get my music in any kind of stores because I hadn't really factored that in. And there's, there was a website called Reverb Nation. Reverb Nation is probably the worst place for you to try to sell your music. But I didn't know that <laughs> shit back then. I didn't know that. So I, I started an account, uh, uploaded that song, and I charged a dollar for it. Um, because that song had gotten popular in that, that little niche audience, I basically did, then I went and did a video on my channel talking about, you know, if you want to get the song, got it right, right here on this website here. You can go and only cost a dollar. And them jokers start buying it, man. <laughs> like they, they, they went to the reverb, my reverb nation account and just started purchasing, purchasing, purchasing. The reason why I say it's the worst and for all any artists out there that's considering, do not use them for that. They take a nice chunk. And on top of that, you only get a payout once you reach a certain amount. Now, I don't know if they change that now. But yeah, that fucking sucks. And that song appeared on my first album, uh, uh, Rise of the Infidel, and that was in 2012, and people are still buying that album. I gotta be honest, like, I never expected any of this. Like, when I did that, that, that show in 2012, when I came down off that stage to see the people come up to me, for autographs and pictures and all this other stuff just kind of blew my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it wasn't something I expected because listen, I'm from Baltimore, man. <laughs> like they, they, you don't, you don't get that kind of love usually from your hometown. And these are people that flew into DC, you know, from all, all other places to come to this, this event and to get that kind of response was, was dope. It definitely was. And, and, and since then, I've, I've performed quite a few places in Texas and Seattle. Um, the last one was uh, in Temple Hills, Maryland, where we threw a show. Me and a collection of artists came together and did a crowdfunding to be able to get the funds together to throw the, the, the show. And um, it was awesome, man. People um, flew out. We even made an entire event over because a lot of my fans, most of my fans are really into science to the dead of the geek variety. And um, we connected the entire event around a trip to the Smithsonian. So right, you know, the earlier that day before the actual performance that night, we had the fans early in the morning meet us. We all went to Smithsonian together, explored it, looked at all the good, cool stuff there. And then later on that evening, we went back to the venue and we did our performance. And it's, it's so crazy because this lady, man, she was had to be at least in her early 40s. White lady. Mm -hmm. When I, we're setting the tables up, my wife and, and my kids are setting the table up. And the, she comes over to me and was like, your tombstone, your tombstone. I say, yeah, how you doing? She came, she flew <laughs> to come and see me perform at this little venue. So as we're sitting there talking, she's telling me all about her uh, life experience and, and, and how the, the music that I put out affected her and how just us throwing this sort of event for people like her 
what meant everything. And she broke down and cried in my arms in the middle of the venue. Like, I don't know of any other uh, artistic profession when stuff like that happens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it definitely changed a lot of stuff. And you know me, uh, my ego, of course, was like through the clouds because my because <laughs> my kids was there to see that. Right. See, they don't, they don't see dad as, as as the cool dude. I'm not the cool dude, but this is the first time they got to see me perform and be there in the, where I was performing. And I, it, it forever changed the way they viewed me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It forever changed it. Just, just the aspect of, of you reaching out to your fans is like, look, we want to do this for y'all. And your fans were like, yeah, what you need, right? Yep, that's what exactly it. And then they still came. Yeah. <laughs> they gave yeah. you what you needed. Then they came yeah. and supported the hell out of you. Like that, like the, the, the it, and it goes back to the mixtape thing. Like hip hop in general, everybody at your show has their own mixtape that they want to give to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, man. That's but, the truth. But you you tapped into an audience that just was like, no, nah, I want you to give us more yeah. of you. I have a question for you, the listeners. How's your shorthand? Do people still do that anymore? Well, anyway, at the beginning, I suggested that you take notes. And this next segment is where you should start to jot things down. Look at Del Negro giving gifts. If you think it's just about the music, you're not going to be as successful as you could be. It, it's about creating a community around your content. Because back in the day, you know, artists could stay above the fans a bit. You know what I mean? Like the only time you you would really see them is at a show, and you're lucky if they even notice that you're there, or Maybe they, they got some guest appearance or some sitcom, or maybe they're on some late night show. That's how people saw. But now with social media, it's Twitter, it's Facebook, it's YouTube, it's Instagram. They can literally reach out and touch, uh, metaphorically, reach out and touch the people that they admire for whatever talent that they have. And, and as a result of that, if all you have is music, the only time you're relevant is when you drop some music. So I expanded my brand to include other things that I like. Like I like comic books, I like video games, I like science, you know? So I, by me doing, you know, little videos, I do little science videos and stuff like that, by me doing all of this stuff and just giving them this content, I'm giving them content all year long. And when I drop an album, which is usually on Halloween, that's the day I, I, I pick, for me dropping an album. I drop an album and put a price tag on it. They have no problem going in and getting it. Because I give them content all year long. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's real easy nowadays for you to get lost in a the shuffle. There are millions and millions of people out there producing some sort of content to grab people's attention. So my goal was to at least have it so that at, at some point, during the course of the week or the day or whatever, their thoughts are turned to me for whatever reason. Ah, I just dropped a new video. Oh, I just put another little 16 ball, whatever. Oh, I created this, uh, this imagery that, that matched my persona with Photoshop and I put it out there. Oh, I'm talking about the new comic book movie that just came on. They want to engage in that conversation. 
oh, I'm, I'm posting some some video game footage from a game I'm playing. You see what I'm saying? Like, giving them a ways for them to think about me at some point during the course of their day or their week or whatever, so that I'm not an afterthought. Then you, then I would attempt to drop a, a project and put a price tag on it. And go, oh yeah, I remember him. I don't want that. <laughs> I wanted it to be like an event in this little community that I created. I wanted it to be an event. So when Tombstone drops an album, they go out and get it. And I can honestly say I have never had a problem since I had an audience being able to do pre-orders and and you know and, and all of that. I, I haven't paid for one. <laughs> I haven't paid a dime of my own money for the manufacturing of my CDs. Except for the first time. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Because if you thought it was all about the music, then you thought wrong. And if you think this is the end of the episode, then you are absolutely right. However, I'm pretty certain you will hear more of our continued discussion in the immediate future. You can find Tombstone's music on iTunes, Bandcamp, Google Play, and Amazon. The title of his latest release prior to Halloween 2016 is... The sixth extinction after Hollow's Eve, there could be a new release on those virtual store shelves. In the interim, you could do me a favor though. You can tap the hearts on SoundCloud, subscribe via iTunes, and share the Botchains podcast with all of your friends, your coworkers, and relatives, and everyone you love, because I'm pretty sure they love this show just as much as you do. And before I go, just remember in life, the only safe thing you can take is a chance. See you all next episode. Tell him.